again. Hello, partners. Are we back? Are we on? We're on. I just like that. We're back. Fuck yeah. So, how's it going? I'm not bad. How are you? <sighs> Having a weird fucking day, man. Yeah? Let's get yeah. into that right away. We have a lot to talk about. But let's let's uh let's trace back our steps, so let's let's start with that. Well, I don't know. I've lately have been going through this weird sort of midlife crisis-y thing. Right. Where I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the weight of the world's on my shoulders to some degree. And I feel like I'm in a situation where I never anticipated being in. Okay. Just in my life. Uh-huh. Where it's like with Jamie and her kid and there's like a child involved now. And we got like a household going. Yeah. And it makes me homestead. Yeah. And it makes me feel fucking weird. Like it makes me feel like I'm not the right feel like a square peg in a round hole sometimes. Right. Well, you don't know what you got yourself into. Like you said. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, you said that, yeah. Yeah. And uh Oh man, like I was thinking like even like last night it was good. Everything was good yesterday. I had a good time and then I go to bed and everyone falls asleep. And I start thinking about my job and the thing about my job is like I teach guitar and uh all the lessons and everything fall off in the summer. It's um it's not like a stable like No, I, it's I wouldn't like, even know how to put it. It's not like a garbage man job where there's constant steady. Yeah, it's not like, I'm not, it's not like a, and, I don't get a salary. I get like a, a check based off of the number of students I have at any given time. Yeah, like it's not, there's not, unfortunately, like a high, high demand. Yeah, but I love the job. Yeah, right so, now there is. Right now there's. A yeah, yeah, yeah. During, the, during these months is good. Um, right now it's fine. I feel good about it right now. But, like, I know there's going to be this drop-off during the summer. I had thought about that. And, like, what got me through this year was I got a tax credit. And I just used that tax credit basically to pay rent for uh, July, August. Right. And now I'm thinking about that. Now it's, like, so far away. But I'm, like, I got to start thinking about, like, what I'm going to do. Last year, or this year, I, uh, to, like... I used a tax credit to pay the rent, but to pay bills and stuff and to buy groceries. I did like a class, like a sort of like a, we talked about it. We talked about the school of rock did that, but that was like, that was, I mean, I could live off of that just because they ended up getting this grant off the government, which gave us a little bit of extra money, a little bit extra pay, but there's no guarantee they're going to do that again. All this seems very risky. And now I feel the pressure more than ever. Right. Because we're all in the same household now. And if I don't pick up, if I don't have my end, I don't know. I like, if I, like the idea of that, like gives me a bad feeling in my gut. Right. Kept me up all night anxious. I couldn't sleep. And I, then I woke up tired and anxious. And just had a weird day off day because of it. 100%. Just set you off on the wrong mood. Yeah, and I was thinking about, like, this is how people, like, give up on their dreams and stuff, too. Yeah. I want to be, be a touring musician. I know it sounds ridiculous. It doesn't sound ridiculous to you, but it sounds ridiculous to most square people who have, like, a normal job. And they're just, but I want to make my living off of touring, even Canada and the U.S., making music, putting out records. I think... Um and that's what I ultimately want to do. And I f- I'm scared that, like, scared I'm getting into a situation where I have to give up on my dreams and therefore who I am. Because who I am is entirely become, based off of those dreams. You're scared you're going to become Homer Simpson. Yes. And have to pick up a workload and give up on and your artistic I, creative. And the side. thing that I feel, my entire identity is based on this music career that I have this whole, this whole, I've based my whole personality, my whole life. I've given everything. I've sacrificed livelihoods, money, friends, good friends. Yeah. To pursue this. I have a band 
that I feel like is probably the best I've been in for a long time. I love my new band. Yes. We just finished a mix, which I'm going to play at the top here. Sounds good. I'm going to play a show, a little, do a little paradise, sneak, yeah, I'm gonna put a little sneak peek at the beginning, and I'm just going to play the whole thing at the very end of this podcast. Sounds good. It's a great mix. I think, but um, I'm so scared that it's like, this is how it happens. This is how I give up on my dream, and also, this is how I become a passenger in my own life. I become like the person in the passenger seat where I'm like an accessory. I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I cease becoming the main character in my story and I become a supporting player in somebody else's story. Right. This is, and I just think about that and it fucking stops me in my tracks and I get, I can't breathe. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's an existential And it's like, thought. and it, fuck, it fucks with me because financially I'm doing better than I ever have my whole life. And I've never been this anxious about money before in my life either. You know what I mean? And my role. And what you got to realize, though, even being a musician, I mean, we knew what the game was when we got into it. Yeah. We knew it's not a stable life to begin with. That's exactly it. And that's almost... I can just talk louder if it'll work. Yeah, it'll work. I'll just project a little more. I'm just making sure I had to... Make sure you're getting picked up. Sorry, go ahead. Let me project. We knew what we were getting into at the start of this. I mean, we know what the unstable life is. Of but now artist. I'm dragging other people into it, and it doesn't feel fair. I don't I'm dragging Jamie are. and her kid into it, kind of. And I don't think you are. I think you guys. It's a relationship. She I don't think. She, I don't know if she knows what she signed up for. I, t- I tried to tell her, but based off of conversations and fights we've been having lately. It doesn't feel like she knows what she signed up for. Oh, well, I mean, that's something that you have to talk to her about. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's anything I could give you or for the podcast. What I can give you, though, I know. I'm just being honest. What about, I can give what you. What I'm feeling right now. What I can give you. It's just support in what you're doing. And support in that. Don't give up because we knew what the odds were. And part of the fun is going down with the ship. Yeah. Part of the fun of being a pirate is knowing that one day the law is going to catch up to you and kill you. And you're going to have to go out with your mates. Right. I mean, one day we're all going to have to fucking... We're going to have to ride that highway while Freebird's playing in the background and the cops are at the end of it. as corny (laughs) as it is, highway to hell is a great way to put it. Yeah. I mean, when you choose this path, when you choose this lifestyle... You're choosing moments like that, and yes, you've and got, I think that's part, and, and you've that got part of my vasectomy too. And, and you've got, like, that's part of why I got a vasectomy is because I'm like, right. I can't drag, I can't make a kid and then drag them into this. And you got yourself into a partly domestic relationship, but it's not like that hasn't worked in the past with a lot of people either. It's not like musicians haven't made that work either. Yeah, you know, hardcore musicians. And it's going to be rocky. But worrying about money, you know, even though it's the most you've worried about money in your entire life. Even though it's, it's not, the most it's money not, I've been making in my entire life. It's not too, the like, first time you've ever had to fucking worry about money. Yeah. And that's for sure. Yeah. Maybe it's just, I think, like you said, anxiety is of everything pa- uh, piling up and causing, you know, every little anxiety to pop out even more. Yeah. Yeah, I've been anxious. I've been fucking on edge. And I think the best thing to do, I think the best mindset to almost have, and this is weird because it's not something that I would tell someone. It's not something, this is why I wouldn't be a good speaker at a school because this isn't something that I think a kid would understand. Most kids would understand. And maybe it's something I shouldn't say. But I think you get what I'm saying. And you know how I talk, you know how I speak, you know all the parables I use. But it's like you have to embrace that live free or die young outlaw life. Right. Not in all ways. I mean, you got to maintain your health. You got to do all this stuff and that. Right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to your art, you got to see it in a way of like, this is your ship and you're the captain. And that boat may sink. And you gotta write it down. And you know, you got a posse to write it down with. Yeah. 
big time. I mean, you got you got people to write it down with, and you do. You did jump into not jumping, but you do have a lot of stuff now. You got a house. You got this girlfriend with kids, and stuff like that. You know, and you are very domesticated, in a lot of ways. But that's just the chapter right now. And I think enjoy that. Because maybe in 10 years, maybe in 5 years, we might fucking miss the hell out of this time. Yeah. And so we got to see the poetry in this. You know? And you you just got to do what you enjoy. You got to figure out what you want to do, you know? I mean, yeah. we cut things out that aren't working and bring in things that are. Yeah. You know? So you have a peace of mind. At the end of the day, we all got to just fend for ourselves. Right. Also the ones we love. Of course. But since I'm talking to the one I love, I gotta. I would say you got to just worry about yourself. You know? And not so much the ones you love. Mm-hmm. You know? I almost feel like <clears throat> you have you you harness such great talent and shit. That's such a bad way to put it. You, you harness such great talent and potential that for you, I'd almost my message, and for a lot of people, I would say is don't worry about the ones you love. You know, worry about yourself. I think there are people like that, and I think there are some people who have to step back and worry about the ones they love, you know? Mm-hmm. To understand, everyone's always going to worry about the ones they love. For everyone's sure. going to... Any person um, who's not a sociopath... Right. Any person... Of course. Like, you can't help it. Yeah. Any person with emotions and, you know, empathy will worry about ones they love. But I think you got to just ride your back on this wave of being a musician and see that as your story arc. Hold that as your story arc. Don't be like your story arc's changing into this domestic guy. Look at your story arc as a whole as this musician, who now this musician has a bunch of fucking responsibilities, and he's trying to hold that up as well. Right. Try to romanticize yourself as much as you can in your head. You know? That's That's a good way of putting it, because if you don't, if you don't romanticize what you're doing, I feel like, especially the kind of life I live, things get so depressing and, and so bleak and so gray so fast that, like, I, I, I was listening to this thing, I can't remember who said it, but it's mm. true. Mm. Is they're talking about this movie, you know the movie where, where uh, that soccer team, like, goes down in Alaska? Oh, yeah, based on the true story, Hunger yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was that movie or another movie where Anthony Hopkins was just talking about people... Uh, who like are they're stuck in survival situations like that? Yeah, where they're stranded and they gotta survive. Anthony Hopkins is saying this. He's talking. Yeah, he's talking about his character talking about in some movie, where he's like, "What kills them is guilt," right. because they sit there and they feel guilty about getting themselves in the situation in the first place. They feel so guilty and so like, "I wish I would have done this differently or that differently," yeah. that it immobilizes them. Mm-hmm. And that's what kills them is their lack of action over it mobilizes them. They get depressed and they get immobile and that's when they die. They give up and they die. That's great. And it's like, I, I love that. That's great. Yeah. And that's it's, from that movie. I don't know if you, it's that movie. I just know I, someone told you got to show me that scene later with Anthony. I, I didn't even, I heard it on a podcast. I didn't even that's see fantastic. the scene, but, uh, that to me is like, if you don't romanticize your life to some degree, especially living this life, that's what happens. You get a mobile and that's when you die. Absolutely. And um, if you just start, if you only look at things with like shit colored lenses and you're like, I'm just a loser being a loser. I'm living a loser's life. I should just give up and live a life of uh, mundane boringness, especially because of, because it's the safest route also forces that maybe we weren't always conscious of leading our decisions. Like our heroes right. were all people who lived in despair for the most part. Right. A lot of them. Yeah. A lot yeah. of them. Keith Richards was a fucking millionaire. A rock star. He didn't live in too much despair. He had despairing moments, I'm sure. Yeah. But Johnny Thunders. 
the Ramones, sure. people like this, you know, yeah. or people who lived in despair. And part of the reason why I love them is because they were sad people yeah. who lived this gritting life of always constantly trying to fucking be a motherfucker that ice skates uphill, you yeah. know? <laughs> and, um, unfortunately I've always loved that about them. Of course. I've always loved the kind of sad pleading for help, you know, kind of Johnny Thunder's almost pity me attitude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something about it. It's 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 like uh, primitive emo. It's like yeah. primitive goth, you know, of this like it's like a 1960s 1970s emo goth. <laughs> I guess you yeah, could yeah. put it where yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, you're like a sad cowboy, you know? You're a sad poet. And it's, um, to me, very appealing, very attractive. And unfortunately, um, as much as, like, the, um, the id part of your brain needs to survive and, you know, have a steady income and do all this normal day-to-day stuff that makes you live, you know, eat properly, shit like that, not do drugs. Um, I think part of that gets corrupted by this unconscious influences and unconscious attractions that we all have when we're kids, you know, mm-hmm. into just what we like. Everyone is influenced by something, you know, everyone grows up and they have either a mentor or something influences them. Right. And the way they outdo their actions. Yeah. You know, I think I think there's nurture and nature part of it, you know? Absolutely. And um, nurture, unfortunately, I think is more, a lot more unconscious sometimes, you know? Yeah. Because nature, oh, like- I, I will, nature, I can purposely not go without eating. I can purposely do all this stuff that's bad to my health, knowing it, you know? Yeah. I can turn off my survival skills almost. Right. But it's this nurture, I don't know if this is like a 21st century thing or something, that I can't turn off. This, right. This growing up idolizing rock stars. You yeah, know? And, and idolizing tragic figures and almost like if it's, your story's not tragic, then it's not worth tragic it. Tragic artists. Yeah, if it's yeah. if it's not, it's, it's almost like when people do get success, it's like, oh yeah. Motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah, yeah. like oh, pieces yeah. of shit. Yeah, pieces of shit, you know, getting yeah. fucking success. Yeah. And so I think a part of that, I don't know, on the podcast, like right now, it's easy to do that. But yeah, it's hard to remember that on a day to day basis. But I think that does play a role in our uh, psyches. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Things. I'd say so. But yeah. I think that my biggest advice would just to be put in the put everything in the music, live your life, you know, yeah, and just readjust your story in your head, mm-hmm. you know, as a rock star who's in this situation, not right. the, not the person who's in this situation trying to be a rock star, right? That's the thing I never want to make. One thing, another thing that, like, another weird existential thing is, like, I never want to make decisions out of fear of, like, stability or something like that and just, like, then become someone I'm not. Yeah. Become the Homer Simpson, right? Yeah, or become, like, just a lame musician because I'm just trying to make safe decisions every every turn. Instead of making the artistically respond, instead of making, like, being true to myself and taking risks and making art that I like... I make artistically safe, lame decisions because I'm scared. Right. I'm scared for my job or something. You know what I mean? Or like, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's lines I don't want to cross where it's like even um, with my job. Like if they ever asked me to stop doing this for my job, I don't know if I'd have a job because it's like, it's like this, this podcast is part of, it's become a part of me. You know Absolutely. what I mean? You know, and I never want to compromise that. And if I compromise that, then what's next? And how, your, how long do I keep compromising before I'm just not me? And you ask yourself, how real, real are you when it comes to decisions like that? You it's know, hard. You, ask, you ask yourself, like, what would Bob Dylan do? You know, yeah. when when it comes to possibly bad outcomes of shit. 
and yeah. I hate it. It's, yeah. it's driving I'm, me crazy. And me and Jamie are fighting over stuff like this, and it sucks. Because to her, she's got one objective, and that's to yeah. like live a happy life with her kids and stuff like that. As to where like I got this whole other, it's almost like another life. There's fame and there's fucking bunch of shit. Glory. There's a bunch of shit where I'm like, I want to tour the world as a musician, and I want to write. I want to make like I like. She's worried about like getting Zoe like raised right and her graduating and I'm worried about like trying to make like a hit song like like wanting an album that everyone will remember impacting the world yes yes I want to like I want to like I want my and it's like it's a weird it's fucked I like it's like I sound like such a child when I argue with Jamie Mm -hmm. because I'm like my songs are like my kids right and it's like in a weird way I think like they're better than if I were to have biological kids I think my songs would be better anyways, so that's why I don't want kids. You know what I mean? Because I feel like when I write a good song, it's almost like the best parts of me get continued on in that song. As to where, who knows what kind of personality my fucking kid will have. Hitler's dad could have been a great guy, and no one would have ever known. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like you don't don't necessarily get to choose what your kids are going to be like. No. I understand. And it's like, I just want to make some good art before I die. I want to make some art that people will remember. Even like Johnny Thunders and stuff like that, guys who never made it really, were never famous, but they're going to live far beyond their death because like they've just influenced so many people. Mm-hmm. They've, uh, they're part of me. Yes, exactly. You know, they live on through people like us. Yes. And we want to be that. And we want to live on through other people. Yeah. I don't know, man. Also, death scare, like the idea of just dying too. Yeah, I hate that. Dying. I don't like the idea. Of lights out. Dying's a whole different thing. Yeah. As stressed as I am I right now, it's like too. it's fucking weird, man. I was listening to this other podcast. Uh, well, this is in Harmontown. They're talking about like, what do you visualize your heart as? Kind of like not as like a real heart, but like when you think about your heart, like your feeling center, you know, and like mm-hmm. where you process your emotions. Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it look like and what does it do? And especially lately with all, I've been so depressed lately that I kind of like, I was thinking about that question because just listening to the podcast, I was like, my heart almost feels like a, a factory for processing emotional pain right now. It feels like that's all it's doing. Right. It's just taking out emotional pain and it's trying to process it in a way that's like letting it out slowly instead of letting it build and explode. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, what does your physical heart do? No, no, just like your metaphorical. Okay. You know? Like well, what do you picture it as? What do you visually see? Almost like a organic globule, almost like the blob. And it's just like in taking pain. And it's like one of those things where it's almost like a regulator, like a, like a, there's these pieces of equipment for guitar amps mm-hmm. for vintage guitar amps. Cause they got weird voltage needs and stuff. And they're so sensitive. If you get like a, a like an electrical current that's too high, it can wreck the components in the amp. Yeah. So there's components that you plug into the wall, then you plug your vintage amp into the wall and it, all it does is regulate the electricity going into your amp. Mm-hmm. So it comes out at the perfect amount of electricity. Yeah. I feel like that's what my heart is where I'm just taking so much pain all the time, so much anxiety and pain and depression and it's just processing it so it all comes out evenly instead of all coming out at once and destroying me. Right. Or making me do something that destroys my relationship or my friendships with people. Is there any light? I don't know. I don't even think about that. I think about, like, that's all my heart's been doing lately. When do you know when you picture it? Is there any light? Can you see it? What color is it? I don't know. I, it's, like, purple, I guess. <laughs> like, a dark purple. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's, it's funny. An organic, and someone else an organic says, color. Yeah, and I was, was someone describing depression. I was like, oh, I nailed it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it feels like pain's just slowly leaking out of me. Yeah. Constantly. And I was like, that's it. That nails depression. Yeah. Where I just feel, and I feel immobile. Like, I can't do anything. And I, I, I want to get out of bed. I don't want to talk to anybody. <clears throat> yeah. And it just kind of, I just want to feel this pain slowly leak out of me. Um, and I think a lot of people um, express it like that, even. To a religious sense, mm-hmm. you know, people expressing demons as just an output of negative energy and stuff like that. 
right? Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel personifying like, it. Yeah, I feel like. Um, I wonder if how I much. Like, I wonder how much of that old time religion stuff was just a way to uh, visualize and process stuff like depression and anxiety. Oh, I'm sure tons of it was. Yeah, but my point is that I feel like that's a wide idea. So yeah, I feel like that holds true mm-hmm. to depression, something like depression. Um. Yeah, fuck that. So anyways, that's what I was been going through. I was like, fuck, I haven't podcasted in so long. And one thing is, like, I want to get you. That's a nice I, I like, I like, I like kind of surprise, not surprising you, but just mm-hmm. getting home and be like, let's podcast, because then I can just get this stuff out on the yeah. air. I hate, one of the reasons why I haven't podcasted in so long, I feel like, is because, like, we're always around each other now. Yeah. So I feel, like, weird going on the podcast and be like, so this happened, and you being like, yeah, I know, I was there. Or I, you've told me this already. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. But we watched. Um, Go ahead. I was going to get you to tell while we're on the down low. While we're on a down note, I was going to get you to tell. Uh, say if you want to talk about your latest gig. Oh, the Halloween show, you mean? Yeah. Oh, that was that was depressing. And if anyone's from that show's listening, it was no one's fault. Mm-hmm. But it was like we went to this Halloween show. We got all ready. I got into a fight with my girlfriend, of course, so I'm already fucking just on edge emotionally. And uh, we go to play, and it's just like, there was peak crowd around the second band in, and there was four bands that night, and we're the last band. Yeah. Peak crowd around the second band in. So by the time we go on, it starts off with like maybe seven people are there, left. Right. And so it's like, all right, let's give these seven people a show. And then just dwindle down to like two people after like four or five songs. And it was just so depressing. And that's the thing I'm talking about where it's like, that's the thing that does like make me feel like I am a loser and I should just give up on music altogether. You know, because it's just like no one cares. No one cares nearly as much as I care. Right. But. And it's just like, what am I doing i'm i feel like i'm sacrificing so many things in my life to be this person and no one gives a shit to the point where it's like i all i'm doing is cutting my own throat over and over and over again but it's like and like i was talking to colton about it we're both hammering ourselves like do we because we shit on a lot of local bands secretly behind their backs we shit on a lot of local acts and we we talk about in the sense of like we have uh nobility and we have talent and then something like that happens. You're like, am I just untalented and I don't know it? Am I delusional? You know what I mean? Am I fucking delusional about my level here? My skill level? Well, my personal opinion, no. I Thank you. you are the best band. But secondly, I think you're missing an important part of that story. Which was, you weren't alone. At all. You right. went through it with two other people. It's true. And Burke. The guy who Burke you the booked yeah. you the gig mm-hmm. was there till the end you had a posse yeah and like you said you were talking about colton about the exact same thing yeah it's true so to answer your question no you aren't alone at all yeah in fact you did it with fucking a posse it's true but it feels like a failure for sure and it's like it feels, it's the thing that's stuck with me since that gig like there's been a, like a low depression a low hum of depression since that show and it's gonna stay there until I do a show a successful show another gig the next yeah, gig that works break the cycle yeah absolutely speaking of posses speaking of posses I've been playing a little red dead Redemption two, two. By the way, I downloaded the latest South Park episode. Oh, Watch it. It's the second part of that Red Dead arc. Downloaded it legally. Yeah, legally. I downloaded. I bought it on <laughs> iTunes. Um. It's, so, it's, what do you think? Fucking, it's amazing, man. It's an amazing video game. It's such a. It's such a next level leap. It almost feels like playing a game at the start of a next generation of shit. Right. It's almost like playing uh I guess what GTA three would be. You know? Right. And this whole just this wave of possibilities of the next generation of gaming. Just the technology that they use and the AI, you know? Right. Everything about Is the it a game. different engine than anything they've done so far? I think it's the same Euphoria engine. 
but it feels brand new. It feels tweaked. It looks new. Right. Um, in the game itself, the story is amazing. The writing is outstanding. I hear um, it's just super immersive. Like you're just, you can just get immersed in so many different things. You, oh, it's so immersive. It's, they let, there's so much tiny things like everyone's all like, details, details. And they talk about like a bunch of stupid details. But, like, there are some shit I like, you know, which it's, like, um, tiny details don't matter. I mean, it's the overall product, you know? Like, the like what I said, the story is great. The gameplay is overall great. Looks great overall. But there's tiny details, like, I, um, if you're shooting a revolver that um, isn't, like, a single action, you have to press the, you have to pull the trigger again to cock it, Right? And so you can just shoot, and then you can cock it, and then you can hold it, and then next time you fire, you can shoot, or you have to rapidly pull it, right? right. But you can just look at someone, and you can pull the trigger. You can cock it to intimidate them. That's kind of cool. Small stuff like that. You can. That's talk. and they'll and then the AI reacts to that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. My favorite feature is you have an ability to interact with the AI verbally. There's a button to respond positively or negatively to them, right. or just talk to them, right? right. Which is great because there's always so much assholes in GTA games and Rockstar yeah. games. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, it's great to just be able to interact with them. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Or to antagonize someone in a bar and get in a fight. You know. Harmon was talking about how he was like confronted with his own insecurities playing that game. Right. Because he's like, every guy you walk by, like it seems like so many people just walk by and they insult you. Uh-huh. And it's like, if you go and attack every guy who says something shitty to you, then like it's going to kind of ruin your gameplay experience because you'll constantly be like bogged down with wanted and like your oh, honor will go down and it'll be harder to play the game so you can't you gotta like almost keep that instinct in line to just kill someone who's insulting you well i feel like this game was made for me because i always played games with that morality right it was funny with me you know yeah you've seen me play tons of red dead tons of red dead yeah the for the original right yeah and you only kill people when it comes down to it. It's the Wild West. You gotta kill people. Right. But I've always played games like that for the most part. Just try to get immersed in the world, you know? Yeah. I'm that guy who plays GTA. Right. And follows the traffic right. rules. Right. right. And, yeah. And then gets into, like, a hood shootout and then has to kill a gang, right? Right. Stuff like that to make your own fun. Yeah. So I feel like this game was made for players like that. Because it is... Yeah. Like... Your gameplay experience will be ruined if you go out and just go on a spree and start killing a bunch of people, right? Yeah. Because then, you, yeah, you have, you have a wanted. You can't go back in that town. You can go back in the town. You can't see any uh, cops, though, or else they'll start chasing you. Right. If someone recognizes you, if they've seen your face, you know? Yeah. Um, and Spencer had a good, like, amazing we- game. Yeah, for sure. And he also, Spencer's saying he had a weird experience where the like some law enforcement was, like, hauling off some black lady. And she was screaming help and how she didn't do it. So he decided to, he's like, oh, this is the game telling me I should rescue her. Yeah. And she's innocent. So he goes to rescue her and he ends up having to kill the people bringing her in. And they has to kill a bunch of law enforcement and stuff. Mm. And it turns into a big thing. And then at the end, she's like, by the way, if there's this place over there, you can totally rob them. And she runs away. <laughs> and he's like, fuck. She was a bad guy the whole time. And I killed all these people for her. there's so much little she ends up being an actual she turns out she was just guilty the whole time <laughs> yeah there's so much fun little interactions it almost yeah. one game it almost reminds me of is the first and second fable in a way right because you have an honor system right and it almost feels like that where it, you're trying to, it's trying to immerse you so much in this world and trying to make the ai's actual characters right yeah Peter Molyneux, the creator of the Fable games, always um, talked up a bunch of shit about Fable and was like, you know, this game's immersive. You're going to care about it. You're going to cry when a character dies in this game. Shit like Right, right, that. yeah. You really talked up, like, how... Oh, more... just fucking fluffed his own games up, right? Right. And it almost feels like that without the fluffing up, but it feels like that where... It reaches so much points, but I can also see how ambitious it is. Right. Even though it's such a game that achieves so much, right? Yeah. I'm looking at it as such an ambitious game of, like, what they want to do next and what they can do, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing. 
Hot and stuff. I love and I love dusters too, so it's fun. It's great. Yeah. It's right up my alley. Have you used the pirate sword you found yet? Oh yeah. Is I it good? Is it fun? Oh uh, yeah, I used it once. Um, I was going through the woods with this writer. This writer that the original someone like someone else in the game likes, right? Yeah. One of your friends in the game is fond of him, and you run into him, and he goes on this thing and. There's a bunch of hillbillies in the forest who brutalize people, this gang. Right. And he gets captured, and you have to run up. And I ran up, and I uh, I just pressed the equip gun button. And I pulled out my sword instead of my gun, right? Yeah. And so instead of pulling out the wheel and shit, I just had to go. And I, it looked, it was great. I felt like a pirate out of the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. My character looks like a fucking pirate. I got this yeah. open up shirt, and it's great. Yeah. And I'm slicing and dicing. And <laughs> it has a great sense of... Yes, it's immersive and it's realistic, but it wants you to make it feel like a movie. Yeah. You know, it has gun sounds that are like, you know, it has, it has ricochet gun sounds. It has, it feels like you're playing, um, it doesn't feel like you're playing a spaghetti Western. It feels like you're playing like Butch Cassidy. Right. A calm, you know, Midwest Western. Yeah. Where you take the time and breathe in the flowers. Yeah. But yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I can't wait till the online starts up and I can fucking run a posse with my friends and it's fucking dope. go fishing. Whatever. Oh, yeah, man. It's simple stuff like that that's fun in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's cool, man. Um, What else did we do? Oh, dude, I wanted to talk about because last night we watched, finally watched Devil's Rejects, Max. I never watched Hell's a Thousand Corpses, but I watched Devil's Rejects. And I just had some thoughts about it that I wanted to throw at you. I've been been, been talking this movie up to you for years. Yeah, yeah. Years I've been talking this movie up to you. Yeah, yeah. Wanting you to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You finally, you finally sat down. Yeah. Here's, I got it, because I got some theories about it that as a person... I'm going to throw at you as a person who's loved this movie for a long time, right. as a person who just saw it fresh to it. Yeah. I have like some theories about it, maybe. Okay. Or I have a theory. I have a single theory about it that I wanted to throw at you see how you react to it. Okay. Did you dig it, first of all? Loved it. That was so good. So fucking good. Yeah. Fucking dumb. Yeah. And uh, based off the little I know from the movie that preceded it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> <coughs> Oh, there's so many good moments in it. Yeah. That party scene when they're at the <coughs> whorehouse. Mm. One of my favorites. That's to Rocky Mountain one. Way. And then that thing when when the pimp sets up his friend. And he's sitting there. He's smoking a joint. He's like, any port in a storm. He's just sitting there smoking a joint. I love that scene for oh, some reason. It's a total exploitation movie. Oh, which it, is just, but it looks like that little it bring, moment. It brings out That the moment doesn't remind me of an exploitation moment. It feels like a real moment where... He's sitting there doing blow with his friend, and his friend takes his blow with him, and he's like, fuck it. And he poured a storm, he lights a joint up, and there's just a moment where he's just sitting there smoking a joint. Oh, it's no, fantastic. That, that No, I get what you mean by exploit, but by exploitation, I just mean, like, every, it just, it, there's so much emotion in that movie. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, you know, like you said, even that scene, you're, it's such a nice, warming scene. It is. You it know, is. You feel like you're hanging out with friends. Yeah. You know? It is. It is so weird, and then like especially after all the shit that's happened, it's such yeah. a nice break. Yeah, it is interesting how like the characters like. I guess do you want to just give a quick synopsis so then I can just comment on it? Yeah, Devil's Rejects. I'm just uh, gonna get a some water while you do that. Okay, sure. Yeah, Devil's Rejects follow up to Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses is a horror movie set. I'm pretty sure it's set in the 70s too, early 70s, 74, something like that. Um. It opens up with the Firefly family, the family from the first movie, just like, you know, your typical Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, doppelganger family. They're, they get raided by the police. The sheriff in the first movie, who gets killed off by the family, his brother's seeking out revenge. So his brother's this big badass Texan. He comes and raids the farmhouse, shoots up the family. He kills one of them or two of them. He captures He captures the mother... A couple of them escape. Um, the two that escape, though, are uh, Otis, played by Bill Mosley, um, Chop Top, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, classic. Mm-hmm. Right. And Sherry Mood Zombie. 
which people are annoyed by. But I, I, I enjoy her in this movie and other movies. I enjoy her. Cam- I like her. I enjoy her. Campiness. I like a little butt crack, dude. Oh, Rob Zombie. Zombie is constantly showing off his wife's ass in this movie. Never misses a chance to do it. Any <laughs> chance he can do it, he puts it in the edit. <laughs> Any chance, that's sick fuck. Yeah. And so they go on the run, and um, they meet up with their father, Captain Spaulding, from the first movie. And the movie is basically... Oh, he's their dad? He's their dad, yeah. I never knew that. And the uh, it's just basically a road movie of them escaping the law in this southern... 1970s texas right is he he's the dude's dad too yeah he's their father i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that's what it implies interesting and that's the that's the synopsis of the movie right so my kind of little theory on this okay two little small little theories because one thing uh you're talking about the the sheriff hunting him down mm-hmm. at one point, and he tracks the pimp down. And he tells him to set to set up his friends so he can like ambush them. Yeah, the main characters, the Devil's Rejects, who you see are fucking evil motherfuckers in the movie. Yeah, they 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 uh, hold hostage these group of people and they do fucked up things to them. Even even at the start of the movie, when you see them escape, they run through like a canal of girls. Mm-hmm. They run through an underground canal, and it's just. Women caged Tons up. Tons of women with their arms out. Yeah. He's already sleeping with a dead woman. Yeah, he's sleeping with... It explicitly dead. shows you how gross these motherfuckers are. Yeah, how fucking evil they are. But then they make them so interesting to watch when they're just interacting with each other. Yeah. Like I said, the party scene where they're just partying and hanging out makes them look so fun. Oh, yeah. They totally anti-hero them. Yeah. But uh, one thing you said when the, the, the sheriff set them up to get ambushed... Is you're like, I know I'm not supposed to like this guy, but yeah. the sheriff being the sheriff, but I like this guy. Yeah. And so, but my theory is, mm-hmm. I want to see if this rings true to you at all. Part of this movie, at least in part, what Rob Zombie was doing with this movie. Yeah. Was he was doing almost the dark fantasy version of what you want to happen in the classic slasher film. Okay. So, classic slasher film. Like I get, I'm just gonna use the first what I know about slasher films. Right. Little I know, I yeah. famously do not like horror movies. Mm-hmm. But from like some of the horror movies I've seen, it's like a group of kids that get killed by a psychopath usually, and usually one lone girl gets away. Yeah, and then the ending is usually left ambiguous to keep moving sequels. Right, so yeah. like. The bad, the psychos never really get their comeuppance. Yeah, it's always and which I can only assume happens in House of a Thousand Corpses as well. Yes, absolutely. Based off of how this movie starts, absolutely, it's the first thing that happens. Yes, and so in my opinion, Rob Zombie almost made the anti-slasher where the psychos finally get their comeuppance in a way. Yes, like the in this movie is like entirely them flips a script. Yeah, entirely the bad guys finally reaping what they sow. Even though you, emotionally you're supposed to be... Because they're the main characters. Emotionally you're supposed to be invested in them. Yeah. And the sheriff at the end is supposed to come off like the psycho. The sheriff's supposed to come off like the antagonist. Right. Like this guy who's going too far. And by the end of the movie you're not supposed to like him. And you're supposed yeah. to be... You know. You're supposed to be rooting for the anti-heroes. Right, the right. Devil's Rejects. But it's also, but it's also kind of interesting though, because when he captures the devils, rejects finally, he calls them devils, and he says like my my uh, family were his family were bounty hunters before he was a sheriff, like his mm-hmm. dad and stuff were bounty hunters. Yeah, and he's talking about my family's been slaying devils mm-hmm. for longer than I can remember, and he's like, and then one thing I found interesting, which kind of like put me made you think like Rob Zombie's on the sheriff's side. Right. As he said, like, we're playing this game on a level most people do not understand. Mm. That line made me think what Rob's saying there is, like, in order to, like, write extremely evil people, like like the Devil's Rejects, you need an extremely... Someone equally as extreme on the other side. I get what you're saying. In like, to capture someone as evil like as these saying. guys, it's almost like a double fake out, like yeah. what he really means. Yeah, yeah, right. 
Like in order, like this extreme, someone to go around and do things as extreme as those guys, but in the name of justice, kind of. Right. But Even though he kills innocent people along the way to do it. Yeah. But in a way, it's almost justifying him. Right. He's like, he's almost like the, the like, only way these people are so conniving like the and so sneaky, the only way to get at them is to be as sneaky and shitty as they are. Yeah. Like the Punisher, but to an extreme and justified. Yeah, yeah. Even the Punisher, they don't try to justify really. No, of course he's the hero, but they're still like, yeah, killing is wrong. Blah blah blah. Yeah, the sheriff is full out fucking. Yeah, crazy ball. I like that theory. And uh, I like. And that. also, I think that'd be fun to read online. I think people would enjoy that. And also, I feel like in a weird way, Rob Zombie is making putting the audience in the sheriff's position right. and holding a mirror up to them and saying yeah. like, you think like, you think you're oh, so, absolutely. you think you're so righteous. Like this is what I do to those psychos. And the, like when you read about serial killers yeah. and you fantasize about all the fucked up things you would like to do to them yeah. to get revenge on what they've done to other people. Yeah. And when you see it portrayed on film, you're like, it doesn't make you look so noble mm. Absolutely. after all, you know what I mean? All yeah. of a sudden, all of a sudden you, all of a sudden, your hands look like they might get a little dirty, too. If you yeah. really followed through with how you feel you should handle things or how... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant. But in a weird way, he's also saying, like, sometimes you got to do that in order... You got to be sick in order to catch these sick motherfuckers. I think it would make a really interesting um, essay. Right. Or, like, even video essay. Yeah. I like what you're saying. Right. And I think it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then where the bad in this movie, the bad guys get their comeuppance in the worst possible way. Yeah, they get you tortured. Know, yeah, they get tortured and they Crucified. get and it's like and it's like one of those things where it's like like their mother gets murdered in the cut and it's yeah. just like all this crazy shit happens mm-hmm. and uh, it's just the opposite of a slide. Like you know what I mean? It's like these psychos. And they give you an example of them torturing and hurting people in the movie. So you don't, so you know, there's no ambiguity. Like if you yeah. walked in on this, this movie, not seeing a house, of thousand corpses, mm-hmm. I feel like you still have a good sense of what these people are like and what these people are about. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I loved it. It's a great movie. I loved it. I love the ending, and but so then at the, at the end, I know it's great music. Yes. Yeah. Even if that's what Rob Zombie was saying, like you got to be this extreme to capture people, this extreme. Mm-hmm. In the end, it almost doesn't matter. It's almost like he's negating that because the people who end up killing them at the end are just regular old law enforcement who didn't go to any weird extreme measures. They yeah. just set up a road blockade. It's that one guy at the start that I could be a doppelganger for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with that one guy. Um, that one and it's such a glorifying ending, too. Great ending. Fantastic ending. Fantastic ending. Um, the music cues in Devil's Rejects are fucking great. Yeah, From the so starting good. to the Allman Brothers. Yeah. Oh, Fantastic. the music is one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. It's like so, and the grain in it, like, I wonder if he shot it on real, he must have shot on real film. Yeah, I think he It did. looks like film. I think he did shit to make it look degraded, though. Right. Because it has that, like, It looks look. so grainy. Yeah, yeah, it has that gross uh, look to it. Yeah. It's fantastic. It looks kind of like, it's, it's, it. it's, it looked like he was trying, it looked almost like he was trying to go for, uh... What's that biker movie? That American biker movie? That amazing Easy one. Easy Rider? He, he's trying to make it look like Easy Rider, but his his cameras and everything were so clean that it just looks a little cleaner than Easy Rider. Yeah. Almost looked like he used the same techniques as Easy Rider, but everything he used was so new and clean that it didn't quite come off as Easy Rider because it's not quite as gritty. I think more Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I haven't seen Texas but Chainsaw. I get, so but like, I get what you mean. It has that 70s southern feel to it. Yeah. Of like 16 millimeter too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Devil's Rejects is fantastic. I'm glad we watched it. Every scene's fun. Yeah. Very fun movie. It's a fun movie. Every scene is like such a fun scene. One of my favorite scenes is when the sheriff calls in the Groucho Marx expert. expert (laughs) Yes. To to get information on the devils. And he's going off about Groucho Marx and stuff. And he goes off and he's like. Um, one of the sheriffs is like, one of the sheriffs is like, let's bring in Groucho. Cause they're all yeah. the characters in the named after Groucho Marx characters. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, 
Groucho Marx is dead. Fucking Elvis died three days before him. Took all his pride, motherfucking Elvis. And the sheriff just gets all intense immediately. He's like, <laughs> "Don't you fucking speak about the king in my presence like that." What does he say? He has a great, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he has a yeah, great. Don't line you about ever him. speak about? He has a great speech about how he's like, if you ever talk about Aaron, Aaron Elvis Presley yeah. like that in my presence again, I will shoot you or something like that. Something along something those I lines. Will fuck you. Up. Yeah, it's in it, such. It's just such no, an extreme, funny. over the top, awesome scene. No, it's funny. Huh. I was thinking about that scene, and I almost think that's Rob Zombie saying he's more of a musician than he is a di- movie director. Think so? I think, I, I think that's, this movie like a mother. I think that scene is Rob Zombie going like, "I love movies so much, but at my heart, I'm a musician." Right. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I've never analyzed it that hard. That's great, though. <laughs> I always took it just as a fun ass fucking scene. Or also, I think it's his he he probably enjoyed voice. shitting on critics because it's like the critics such like a weird fucking like annoying just an annoying overanalyzing character. Yeah, I think that might be part of it too. And he just wanted to take a shit on movie critics. Yeah, and I think it's also just playing on the cliche good old southern boy. Yeah, like in his like, like the, in his Elvis Presley, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. holding holding shit like and that. He's like, and he's like talking about his like, he's like shitting on Hollywood. He's like, when Elvis was in Hollywood, yeah. his first movie. He's like, get out of here, get out of here. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a fucking great movie. I love when they meet uh, Ken Foray. Yeah, what you said, the bar scene. Yeah, when they go to his brother's house. Yeah. And they're just having so good. fun. Oh, it's such that, a fun This movie is so good that the downloaded copy I got, about halfway through, the sound sync just falls immediately like off by like half a second. Yeah. And everything looks fucked up. And I still enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Because like the movie, the version I was downloading, it was going to take an hour to download. I'm like, let's just finish it. Yeah. And I still loved it. In order to like enjoy it, though, I had to focus on the actor's eyes. Right. And just look at their eyes. For their performance and not pay attention to their mouths at all. Right. In order That's for almost me. better. That's yeah, great. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought you re-downloaded a copy. I have a different copy oh, now. okay. Because I might want to rewatch it. And I want to rewatch a good copy of it's it. It's been a horrifying week for you. Not horrifying week. Month. Yeah. I'm nodding my head. No one can tell I'm nodding my head. <laughs> because, uh, no, 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 no. Because I, I watched Halloween. The new you, Halloween. Yeah, you fucking... I liked it. You watched Halloween, the new Halloween in theaters. Watching a horror movie in theaters. Again, let me give you big fucking props. That's I intense. hate horror movies. You hate horror movies. And going into a Slashers theater with a job. Especially. Let me tell you this. Sometimes I get scared watching even like sci-fi movie theaters. Mm-hmm. If it's like a good movie theater, like mm-hmm. the sound and the screen. The screens are so big and the sound's so overwhelming. That yeah, some it's overwhelming, you know. Yeah. So to go see a horror movie that takes a lot of fucking guts. Yeah. Um, for me especially, but it was so it was, so it scary, was I had so such easily. a fun time. It's so fucking fun. It was such a fun. Oh, I thought Halloween yeah. was great. I thought Halloween was such a. I don't have much bad to say about Halloween. Yeah, I loved it. I don't. I don't. I wish Jamie was here because Jamie didn't really like it. So I wish we had someone with that perspective. Which is interesting. Me too. Because she was the most excited for it. She maybe yeah. that was it. Maybe that's why she, she had such it huge less. expectations. Yeah, she. But was compared the to fan. like for what here's the thing because it's like this is where I bring in my armchair psychology because I don't I've never watched any other Halloween movie including the original. Mm-hmm. But from what everything I've seen and read. Every other Halloween movie besides this one has been kind of a piece of shit. Right. Like, so, like besides the first one? Yes. Right. So I don't know why people... Like, some people are really shitting on it. Um, I love I it. I feel like so many... Like, I have this opinion about so many movies nowadays where I watch, I'm like, I really liked it, and everyone else hates it. Like, uh, I had that opinion about The Last Jedi. I love I th- The Last Jedi, and so many people hated The Last Jedi. I think Halloween's getting generally good reviews. Good reviews? Though. Okay. Yeah, I've always, but every because horror movie podcast shit, shits on it. Everyone that Jamie listens to, I think, because I think it's just a, the who goes there guys did not like it. Genuinely solid flick, man. Yeah, I think people hated the, the doctor twist, here's and the I thing. thought that was an interesting twist. The twist 
kind of sucked. You thought so? I don't know. That doesn't... That is that like a classic horror movie twist or something that I'm just not aware of? Because I just no, I just thought it was I just thought it was unnecessary. Right. I was just like I, I just thought it served a purpose and it was kind of unnecessary. Right. I don't think it ruins an entire movie. Right. At all. And I think the movie was so just solid on all points. Right. Um I think if you're a fan, it has enough callbacks to the original, which is cool. Right. I think if you're new, like you... <clears throat> Even callbacks to the sequels, apparently. Yeah, and it's... That it negates. Like, this movie, I feel like... It's pretty brutal, but I feel like this movie you could, like, watch with your, like, 13-year-old. Kid right. Kid, almost. Because it does restrict so much. Right. right, right that right, right. it's almost like you could watch it with, like, your 13-year-old kid or something, you know? Yeah. And, like... A slightly younger kid, you know, for the movie. And yeah. And it'd be a fun time. And, um... Because that's the thing. It's just a fun movie. Yeah. The callbacks to the original are cool. Yeah. But I think from just starting new, um... It nails everything. John Carpenter's soundtrack is dope. Yeah, absolutely. The cinematography is great. I loved how it looked. Michael yeah. Myers is a fucking monster in this. It starts yeah. out with him going... That... Uh, that spree he goes on. Yeah, that, I love like, that spree. That like trick or treating spree he goes on, pretty yeah. much, where he's just going house to house. Yeah, randomly killing everyone. Yeah, is fucking cool. Yeah, it's cool. I agree. Like, he goes in, he kills the first lady, <clears throat> and a lot of the kills. What I dug about it were an old fashioned off screen. You know. Yeah. It didn't try to. It didn't try to gross you out or nothing. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but he kills the first girl, and then there's almost like this hero shot of him walking out after his first kill, and he just walks out the front door like nothing right. to people everywhere, and he just walks out the front door casually right. and goes to the next house, yeah. and it's almost like a hero shot of like when Batman shows up, which <laughs> right, just like right, all right. this bad motherfuckers back, <laughs> even though that's not his first kill in the movie. But the like, but, is that, but but that's when he really goes buck wild. Yeah, that's when he becomes like Michael. The movie starts with a very. You guys, you didn't like the opening either. I like the opening. I like the opening. Oh, did I say I not like the opening? Where he's holding mask up and he's like, "Look at it," or whatever the podcasters. Oh, that opening. Yeah, yeah, like the whole podcasters stuff. I thought was good. Yeah, you I know, like I thought that was a cool intro. Makes I think sense. it works because I feel like so many, so many of these true crafts two crime podcasts make their bones up bones of just being exploitive assholes you know what i mean i feel like, like it works for the time too doing a podcast or, yes you know i, I feel, feel like, like it's, it's such a nice interesting angle to hit it it's from. way more realistic than a tv news reporter going yes. out there now yes. it's way more realistic than that yeah um, that's almost like works as a separate story though because yeah. i was going to say that's not michael's first kill he does all those killings at the start with right. not all those killings, you know, and spoilers, but yeah, with there's the podcasters at the beginning, <clears throat> and really, um, I Mechanic, think it's supposed to be the shocking. Boy. Yeah, the little boy, yeah. where like Michael kills a like ten year old boy. Yeah, and he just wants to dance. Yeah, and I think that's supposed to be the moment where you're like, oh shit, this is going to be intense. But then yeah. it plays the rest off really classy, and that's what I enjoyed about the movie. It's a very classy movie. Yeah, it's very elegantly done. Yes. And I enjoyed I, it too, and I, I felt it. like it was a romp. It was like it almost worked like as like it could have been like a summer romp. And oh, still for worked, sure. Oh, absolutely. I, that's the thing. It was like kind of a fun movie. Yeah, I thought all the characters had some fun dialogue. That's the, my one criticism. Is, is the I dialogue? wish there was no. No, no. I wish there was more um, character. Development? Development. <clears throat> I, I really wish there was a lot more character development. Like, I could have used a half an hour added on to the movie. I yeah. thought the movie was too short, if anything. Yeah. I I loved... My favorite character in the whole thing, I told you this, is there's this black kid. This little young black kid. He's like probably like 10. The show-stealing black kid, yeah. I thought he was so good. And, you, and this is coming from a guy. I am annoyed by child actors usually right i usually child actors i think are just shitty at acting and they take me out of the movie right like uh i think i probably discussed this on the podcast before but one that i can't a movie i love uh-huh. but child actors that i cannot stand are the kids in uh my blue heaven 
Oh yeah, her yeah. little boys that yeah. uh, Steve Martin takes boys. to the yeah. takes to the baseball game. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. fucking hate those kids. They're annoying little kids. I can't stand them. But this little black kid was so fucking funny. Yeah, he was great, man. Yeah, he was hilarious. I think he's a newcomer. Oh, I think, I think he's the hot new thing. thing. I think Hollywood great. should be courting him. I I can imagine. He's so funny. For some reason, I imagine Danny McBride watching the edit laughing his ass off at that little black kid <laughs> me i just saw too. that i just saw that because that's that was my most excited part about this movie i do like halloween and the franchise and stuff yeah but honestly the most excited part for me why i want to see it because it was written by danny mcbride and um his co-writer his co-creator of uh eastbound and down and principles bad principles right? i haven't seen principles Supposed to be good. Yeah, it's supposed I to be really good. I love Eastbound and I Down. Heard, I love Eastbound and Down. And I heard, like, Vince Gilligan talk about principles and say how good it is. He really? loves it. Yeah. Um, Danny McBride just did this hunting movie with Josh Brolin, and that was really good, too. You've seen it? Yeah, yeah. And um, When did you see it? I saw that a while ago. Month when? Ago. Month, on Netflix? Month or, yeah. Maybe three months ago. It's on Netflix? It was. Really? I gotta check it out. I haven't been on Netflix in a while. It was good. It was good. And I think he might have had something to do with it. Like, he might have been a producer or something. But, yeah, that's why I was excited for it. Um, and, yeah, that's, I think the comedy was fucking great in it. Right. Because it's Danny McBride writing it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought the comedy worked perfectly. But it wasn't too funny. It wasn't right. too <clears throat> jokey, this movie. Yeah, it didn't feel like... Uh, like, Dan Harmon was talking about how in the 90s, especially when breaking the fourth wall was like a really edgy thing to do in comedy right some people were playing it up way too much yeah and uh there's a story about this guy this artist who did like posters or something some advertisement for when kiss reunited Mm -hmm. and and it was just way too self-referential and way too like poking fun into itself and gene fired him or he got him scrapped all the artwork and the reason he gave is Kiss is not in on the joke. Or something like that. Or Kiss doesn't get the joke. Yeah. Which Harmon took to me and like, if if Kiss is in on the joke, then it's just not funny anymore. Or if it's like, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Kiss doesn't work as an entity if they poke fun at how ridiculous they are. Yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. And um, I feel like some movies really cross that line sometimes. Right. Like, I feel like... Um, <clears throat> trying to think, what's a movie that really pokes fun of itself to its detriment? Yoga Hosers. Yoga Hosers is such a fucking like just winking at the camera the whole time that it becomes ir- really irritable. To my taste, and it was supposed to. I know it's supposed to, but to my taste, Deadpool did it too much too. Is it what? Deadpool did it way too much too. I know that's Deadpool. Oh, yeah. I find that annoying in the Deadpool movies, know, for sure, where I, it gets so self-referential. I know that's his whole thing and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just to a point where it's not uh, it's not pulling it off anymore. And I get tired or they're just hitting it. the same kind of joke over and over and over and over again. You know, it's just like I like the first Deadpool more <clears throat> than I wanted to. Yeah, as I a, wanted to as hate a guy it. who's fucking annoyed by Deadpool and did not want to like it, I or liked more, it more than I wanted to. But my one critique, more Deadpool fans, Deadpool fans are so yeah. much so irritating. But my one critique was like, if you would have cut down the jokes by thirty percent, I think it would have came off way more clever. Yeah, way more, way more. Be classy with it, like yeah. you said, Halloween's classy with its joke telling. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Fuck yeah, um, I'm living with you now. Yeah, you moved in. Moved in. That's good. It's good to have you here. Moved camp. Hope I don't implode this whole thing yeah, with my fucking boring. midlife crisis. Yeah. You're like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I hope so too. I've been really trying to romanticize myself and <laughs> have an outlaw mindset. <laughs> Just so I don't crash and burn. Yeah. Oh, but it's good to have you here. It's yeah. one of my favorite things is having you in the basement right now. It's nice to be here. Just being able to, like, have you come up the other night i had so much fun when we just uh listened to podcast had a classic brothers night where you played red dead in the living room and i played skyrim on my computer it was fun it was very good very good yeah classic classic 
Anything else? You guys just recorded a song, like you said. We're going to end with that. Yeah. Although now, after all this fucking talk about uh, Devil's Rejects, I kind of want to do that Almond Brothers song that begins Devil's Rejects. So who knows? I might do that. Maybe I'll do the Almond Brothers thing at the beginning. But we're going to get a music video coming out with it soon. Yeah. And uh, working on a bunch of stuff. So everyone stay tuned. We'll try to record this more often because we're living together now. We have time. Yeah, for sure. We'll I'll try and do it time. like this, though. I like like coming home with something on my mind and then just calling you up and having the podcast running when you get here so we can just talk. That's my favorite part of this podcast right. it was when we were just honestly talking. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that sounds good, man. I'm good. Are you good? I'm, I'm we never suck. have a sign-off, dude. Just end this bitch. Let's just fucking hit the old dusty trail. Good night. Save her, sin, a lost boy. Pay.